0: Hey, and welcome welcome back, I guess, to uh, the Guitar Ted Show. Uh, it's been a while since we've had uh, the last episode. Um, I'm going to be your co-host for tonight, Ben Welnick, as usual. And with me, Guitar Ted. So, Guitar hey. Ted, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. It's been a while, Ben. Yeah, it has. Thanks for... Uh, checking in i know it's a busy time of year you got a uh, euro bike to keep tabs on right now and then interbikes coming up but yeah uh, kind of want to get it rolling just because there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of stuff i i noticed that you've been writing a, a ton of stuff it seems um and want to catch up and get things going right on yeah so there's a lot that, so how, a lot of happening out there yeah so where should we start <laughs> We, got, <laughs> we had a request for some tires for uh, some gravel, I guess, gravel grinder tires. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you have a lot of stuff already with Eurobikes. So I don't know how you want to – let's just start off with tires. What's, yeah, what's let's start new, with tires. What's going on? Yeah. Um, so, and it's, sorry, I kind of cut you off. So if anybody's listening to this and I sound kind of crappy, I can't – something's wrong with my microphone tonight, and I had to use the phone. So I'm calling in with the phone. Um, so I apologize, but go ahead, sorry, no problem, yeah uh actually, uh, I get a lot of questions about tires, and I see <clears throat> tires as a subject come up quite a bit for gravel events, so I think that's kind of a relevant topic right now and uh, everybody wants to know what tire should I use for blah 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 event, you know, dirty Kansas, what tire should I use for transia, what tire should I use for whatever? gravel events coming up? And it's a real hard question to answer because in a lot of ways, I like to think about tires for gravel road events kind of like you do for mountain bike races, really. I mean, where, where are you going to ride? Um, if you're riding, let's say, on the front range of Colorado, it's going to take a different tire than it would if you were riding in Moab, or it's going to take a different tire than it would if you were riding here in the Midwest. Or, You know, you kind of try to match your tire choice to wherever it is you're riding and uh, whatever style of riding you're doing. So I think that's a problem with the, with the gravel events. Is people don't know enough about the gravel road or the tires for them that they, they can't make the connection. Like, it's really easy to figure out what tire to use where you live then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know what works best, and and uh, there's, a, there's a few tires that everybody really likes for where you ride, but when it comes to gravel, it's like an unknown entity. <laughs> So, uh, basically, so, so people are people are wondering what's the best for everything. Well, yeah, I don't know if, it, if that's what they're asking. They're just kind of asking because they don't know enough about uh, where they're going and what kind of riding it is to know what would work, you know. I mean, if I go to Moab, i got somewhat of an idea, although I've never been there. I've got somewhat of an idea what tire to use because I've seen enough pictures about it and there's enough information about those trails that I can make a reasonable choice. And go down there and not kill myself, you know,
1: and have have
0: fun. Whereas in gravel events, you really it's a lot, it's a lot harder. So, and it's the number one thing. Um, so basically, what I would say to people is, you, you know, get you have to kind of do some research about where it is you're going to ride. So, if you can get a hold of the promoter of a particular event, that's always a really good way to find out what to do, um, because because they can know, tell you about the roads, you know if you talk to Jim Cummins, you know, when it comes to Jerry Campbell, let's say, for, in, as in, uh, for instance, Jim's going to tell you, well, we've got Flint down here and it, it's really hard on tires and the roads are cobby and really kind of rustic. And so you need a bigger tire. You need something tougher. And, and as he's going to tell you, you know, something along those lines. Whereas if you talk to Chris Gogan, who runs the Almanzo 100, he's going to tell you something totally different because his gravel roads up there are a lot finer grade gravel. They're smoother. They don't have flint. They don't have rustic, rough, rough almost mountain bike-ish roads. So where where he's at, you can run a lot narrower tire, a lot lighter tire, a lot faster tire. So And it varies, you know. So uh, I think that's probably one way people can kind of dial in what to do. And then the other thing that's kind of a limiting factor is what bike do you have? I mean, obviously you can only put so big of a tire in a cyclocross bike, for instance, so you're kind of limited there honestly, to some degree by the bike that you have to use for the gravel, I mean, unless you've got a 29 or something, and the doors are wide open. But So tires are kind of a, a a tough subject, but right now there's there's starting to become more and more tires out there that are either they're aimed at gravel grinding or they're going to be really good for it. So, like Clement uh, has some really nice stuff that's out there now. They have an entire call the Explore MSO and hey, Explore hey, USH. Mark.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey, Mark, um, there seems to be an issue with uh, Skype. And oh. um, I don't know if, if we're on the air right now, if you can hear me. Um, hang on a second and I'll fix it and we'll be back. But uh, So hang on a second. I think that was a problem with the microphone and Skype was having a problem. So okay. we we'll be back in one second. I'm going to call in. So hang on the line, Mark, and we'll sure. get, get this working. All right, Mark, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, so we're back, people. If, if for some reason there was an issue going on, uh, I apologize. Uh, Skype was having some, some issues that caused the microphone not only to not work, but uh, to kick me off the host. So anyhow we were talking can't about tires. No, exactly, I know. But we should be all good now, so it seems like it's all good and I don't have to worry yeah. about Skype. Um sometimes if you don't have you know Skype has some issues sometimes that just can't there's nothing I can do about it. Um yeah. but uh that's the problem with live. <laughs> but uh so we were talking about tires and I just yeah. wanted to mention too while we're on the topic of gravel grinders that uh, we're expecting uh, Trenton Rainer. He's the director of the Filthy 50, which is out in Minnesota in October. We're expecting him to call in at some point later in the show. So he's going to call in, spend 10 minutes talking about the Filthy 50, which sounds like it's a pretty popular event, but I just wanted to mention it. So if people are listening, they stay tuned for later on. So, all right, yeah, enough, dis- enough distractions, back to tires. I think we were, you know, kind of talking about the width. Um where do, you go yeah. Where do you go for that? Because, you know, I, I noticed that there's a big issue, or not big issue, but, you know, pretty big discussion, because something like the uh, Salsa Warbird, you can't really fit, like, 42, you know, millimeter right. wide tires in there too well. So what, uh, right. what's going on with the tire width? Well, it, ideally, here's what you'd like to have for a bike, if you could get it. Uh, ideally, you would like to have something you could slot whatever you you needed from 30 millimeters to 45 millimeters for tires and just use one bike for all those different sizes of 700c tires. So, but, you know, like you mentioned, the Warbird isn't, isn't that bike. Uh, for whatever reason, Salsa's feedback when they were designing that was that people would never use a tire bigger than a 38, I guess. Um because that's what they rate as the biggest tire that can fit in there, although there are people putting 40s in those bikes that sulfur can't stay. They'll fit that because they've got to allow for mud clearance and, and what have you. So uh, it is a little bit limited on the Warbird, um, but, you know, you're covering most of your bases. Uh, you can still, you know, get the 38 in there, which is pretty decent size. Uh, and people race dirty cans on those bikes, and they, they do okay, you know. It's just that with a bigger tire, if you're a bigger person, too, it's it's more of an issue. Um, lighter people can tend to get away with the skinnier stuff. So, I don't know, if, did you uh, happen to see what happened at Gravel Worlds last weekend then? I know It was really hot. I didn't see it, it was, like, the yeah, the, the, the winner of that particular event, as, as last year, won it on basically a road bike. Uh, and this year was won by a guy by the name of Austin Horse from New York, and he was riding a All City Mister Pink, which I think the biggest tire of that bike can take is a 32. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing from the pictures I saw he ran a 28. But uh, you know the roads are a lot different in, in Nebraska. But you know he's a he was a lighter weight guy, smaller guy. He can get away with that. guy that weighs 200. 30 pounds you going to need a bigger tire you know just to stay on the sandy roads they have there so part of it's the rider too and you have to match the equipment to the rider it's kind of like skiing in a sense that you know there's so many different types of snow which, so there's so many different types of gravel there's so many different types of gears, there's so many different types of riders you have to match everything up ideally you would have the bike that could do all those things so i think there's bikes coming out that will do that um you know, we're starting to see more and more people pay attention to this category of gravel and back road stuff. And so, I know Raleigh's got a bike coming out, and uh, they're introducing that inner bike. And um, I believe uh, Giant's got one called the Revolt. And I wouldn't be surprised if Specialized comes out with something very soon. But you know, so the bigger companies are starting to offer things that can take these bigger tires and all the way down to cyclocross size, which is about as skinny as most people would ever want to use for the average gravel race. So, mm-hmm. so <clears> aspect, what's uh what's new? What's, uh, what's I saw new? Something today, yeah, as far as tires. I saw a Continental. Was it Continental this morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's a Eurobike, good. and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Continental had a tire in the past called the Speed Cross, which was really popular with a lot of gravel racers. Um because you could get it in a 42 and it was a fairly smooth tread tire, which, uh, rolled really fast on gravel road. So that is apparently becoming a discontinued model. And in, in its place, they're going to put in this, what they're calling the Speed King. And it looks like snakeskin. Did you see the picture of it then? Yeah. The, yep, I did. The tread looks really weird. Uh, like scale. scale. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But, uh, But uh, I know that, like, a a lot of winter tires have that kind of an appearance. Actually, a Clem MSO has a real small tread pattern as well. So it looks like something that will be really fast for gravel. And we're hearing they're going to come out with a 42-millimeter in that tire, so that's a good size. Um, I would assume they'll also do something in a Cyclocross with a 33 and uh we also know for sure they're coming out with that in a twenty nine inch uh mountain bike size too, so uh it'll be pretty lightweight because there's not much rubber there. So it'll be a pretty popular tire I think. Then I also heard today uh from another source that I'm close to that Schwalbe is coming out with uh a, a actual tubeless tire for touring that will also be good for gravel racing as well. So uh, Schwalz okay. is a very popular brand for gravel grinders, so I yeah, think that's going to be a really the, popular. What's the, what's the one I'm thinking of? Is it Marathon? It's new this year. Yeah, the, the old one is gone. Yeah, the Marathon is actually a series of tires, so there's several different types of Marathon tires. So there was a Marathon Extreme that a lot of people used to like to use for duty yeah, games. Yeah, that which, what was. Yeah. Yeah. And they have another similar tire that that replaces that in the Marathon Series. This is going to be another Marathon Series tire only it's going to be meant to be tubeless. And people already run the Marathon Series tires tubeless, so um, that's actually good news um, because the bead will actually be shaped, so it locks in on a tubeless rim. So I think a lot of people will be excited to hear that, you know, because tubeless is getting more and more popular. So, and it's good for gravel grinding. Um, so those are the two new things I've heard about, just from Eurobike. And, of course, we'll be out at Interbike pretty soon. I'm going out in a couple of weeks to check out everything out there, so uh, my eyes and ears peeled for anything new for gravel, folks. Mm-hmm. So that should be pretty fun. Yeah. It seems That's what I've heard so far. You know, so I, far. To, you know I, get, I want to get your thoughts on something. I, you know, I noticed that, you know, throughout the course of the summer, because I haven't really... We haven't really talked in a long time, but um, it seems, and I want your take on it. It seems like spring is gravel time, and summer becomes mountain bike time. And now people, once the fall rolls around, it seems like they're kind of getting sick of not sick of, but kind of worn out on mountain bikes. And now people are starting to think fat bikes and gravel again. Is that kind mm-hmm. of is that kind of what you're seeing and kind of what you're feeling? That people are thinking. Yeah, I, I, I can see I can see where you'd feel that way. I, I would say that maybe fall is more uh cyclocross time. At least I know a lot of people here in Iowa are starting to think about cyclocross, so and I know on the west coast that's very popular, the east coast. So you know it might be the gravel seasons of spring and early summer, then mount transitions to mountain bike stuff and then it transitions over to uh Across, but there's certainly a fair number of gravel events and popping up in the fall as well. Because I mean, think about it. You know, you're riding out in the in the rural areas where the colors are turning and stuff, and it's really pretty. And why wouldn't you want to do that? So, right. Um, there's, right. A, there's a and lot of nighttime so events Yeah. Yeah, and I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's no nighttime gravel event to speak of until after September 1st which yeah. is, I don't know what, why that is, but <laughs> it is unusual to no, notice that. So uh, yeah. I know there's a couple I'd I to do uh, if I can get to them. Um, they're a lot of fun. Riding at night on gravel is a ton of fun. So.
1: Yeah, and not, that brings a lot up, of traffic
0: but, on most of those roads.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have
0: that, and you're kind of out there in the dark, and uh, that brings up light. Um, light for uh, gravel, riding at night, you know, some of these events are metric century, so you might be out there for six hours, and your typical mountain bike light might not cut it, you know, because on high, a lot of these uh, mountain bike lights don't last, what, a couple hours, three hours at the most, so they're starting to become more and more people looking at generator hub lights. Uh, I actually have a light that I got from uh, the test from Cantito Road, which is a German product called Treelock 950 and it's really kind of an interesting light. It's one of those all-in-one things that charges with a USB cord so the battery's part of the head and uh, they can run up to uh, six hours on high, which is, oh, well, they they go by lux. So but I would say it's probably about 150 lumens, 200 lumens, somewhere, and that's plenty of light for gravel riding. And uh, if you put it on a medium length, you can get 18 hours out uh, of it. And low goes up to 45, but low is pretty much useless for anything other than a flashlight. But um, but that's still pretty amazing, the, the LED technology out there. Now it's crazy. So the uh, guys that like to ride at night for a long they're they're starting to become things out there that will work for them. So it's kind of nice to see that. Um, yeah, so definitely uh, things are transitioning over to fall and different kinds of events and, um, uh, nighttime events seem to be popular, then I don't know why that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. so let uh, let's kind of switch gears here. You know, Eurobike, everyone's seeing everything going on with Eurobike, um, because mm-hmm. it's like a constant stream of pictures and like updates and, hey, we won this and we won this award and look at this new bike and. Is there anything that you've seen that kind of stuck out already that you're like, whoa, hang on a second, I didn't really expect that? Yeah, kind of. I don't know how many people out there are familiar with breezer bikes, but uh, Joe Breeze is the head of that company, and he made the first purpose-built mountain bike in 1977, so he goes way back. But anyway, um, he's mostly known these days for, like, hardtails, and he came out with a line of carbon. Uh, 29ers, you know, and uh, so, you know, that fits his image. But now he's got this full suspension bike that has 160 millimeters of travel on either end with 27.5 wheels and kind of one of those Enduro category bikes. And people are like, whoa, wait a minute, Um, that's Joe Breeze did that? You know, that's kind of bizarre. And not only that, it's a whole different suspension design called M-Link where the pivot um, it's kind of like a multi-link suspension, but the, one of the pivots is like right in the middle of the chain stay. It's really, really freaky looking. We, when you, we, when you, it looks like a normal bike, but then we really start looking at it, you're like, whoa, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? So, it's this whole new design. Um, and the design's supposedly legit because it's the same people, uh, that did the Yeti SB66 and 95 models. So, you know, supposedly it's a legit suspension. Platform, but I've never seen anything like it. It's it's really bizarre. So I imagine gotcha. it's uh, Did we'll you get a lot of write? Did you did you do anything any, any write up on that yet? Because I just saw the only thing I saw with that was uh, um, bike rumor. Yeah, we. Put or can I not mention that inches. in your yeah. in your presence? <laughs> <laughs> Is there something no, five point nine okay. inches inchescom Yeah, I put up a little bit up from the press release we got on it, but I imagine we'll okay. probably see it. At uh, inner bike and actually be able to maybe ride it and touch it and feel it and ask Joe about it. So um, he is, you know. I was. It's kind of funny. Some of these companies put out um, these press kits, and sometimes you get information that maybe you weren't supposed to get. <laughs> so you start poking around these these PDF files and stuff. And so I found a PDF file in their press kit that showed where they designed. A 29-inch w- wheeled version of this bike. So I don't know if they're actually going to come out with it or not, but they obviously worked on it. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, an announcement coming up in the future. So, but the press release didn't say a word about the 29-inch wheel. So <laughs> kind of a kind of a very deep down inside of there, I discovered that. So. Um, Typically, what we're seeing now, and I'm sure you've noticed it too, Ben, is that the the 27.5 stuff is long travel, enduro, all mountain kind of stuff, and then your trail bikes and cross country full suspension stuff is 29 inch wheels, and that's kind of looks like that's what Joe Breeze is doing. So, from what I can tell, mm-hmm. so that's the big yeah, so- surprise for me. You know that that okay. bike. Mm-hmm. And so what uh, you mentioned 2.7.5 how is it uh I mean originally you know I, I think you had mentioned you know you had written a few different things saying you know how the how the industry i guess is pushing it more so than the customers wanting it um mm-hmm. or you know the customers that you know demand i guess um so what's it looking like now that we're you know I would say a year in from the big push Oh, yeah. Um, What's the scoop now with your bike, and where are we at with the 650Bs? Well, it's getting to be a bigger push. I'm I'm sure you probably saw where Giant is pretty much dedicating their whole mountain bike line to that wheel size, which that's kind of a shocker, too. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're they're all in on it. So uh, whether that actually works out for them, we'll we'll see. But obviously there's other companies – from the smallest, you've never heard of these guys, to, you know, Giants, and everything in between, it's, everybody's got some sort of a 650B, 27.5-inch wheeled bike, so, most of them, again, are, are seem to be these Enduro rigs with a 6 inches of travel or so, and uh there's some that are, you know, cross-country bikes, and there's some Enduro hardtail things in there mixed in with it, but. It seems like long travel where that wheel size is finding a home. So, but I, I fully expect that that the whole thing is basically because the industry has gone so far into it that I, I, I expect within two or three years there, you won't see any 26-inch wheel anything except for maybe downhill. So, and I know that's got a lot of people mad because they go to Pink bike and read their forms and people are just going nuts about that how they, they think that's really stupid and it's getting force fed to them and yada yada yada. <laughs> so there's a lot of people upset well, about it. Well any but, of those you know. people any of those people are free to buy up all the goods and uh start their own little twenty six inch deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. But, so can can you just explain so people, you know, especially now with, with Eurobike, Interbike can you just quickly explain why why the twenty seven point five and what's the six fifty B? What's the why do people use both? As, as far as the name, are going to see, for it, yeah, people are going to see the six fifty B and twenty seven point five is being thrown around a ton in the next month. So, can you just oh, yeah. explain for somebody that's wondering, like, why the hell do they do this? <laughs> well, originally, six fifty B was always the name for that wheel size because. Uh, that described the actual, um, the ISO bead, uh, actually I should take that back. The ISO beads 584. There's so many monikers for this stuff. It gets me confused. Uh, 650B was basically described rim size. So you could put whatever tire you wanted on it, but the bead would fit this 650B, uh, class of rim. So in 29er parlance, that would be, uh, um seven hundred C. So everybody's heard of that. So uh that that's the same kind of uh scale that they're using for this other wheel size. It's called six fifty B. So if you hear six fifty B basically that's saying seven hundred C. So that that makes sense. That's just rim size. You put whatever tire you want on it. Twenty seven point five supposedly is the actual outer diameter of the wheel with a with a fat mount bike tire on it. So if you were to measure, take your ruler and measure from the ground to the top of the tire, it would roughly be about 27 and a half inches. That's something that actually was coined by Kurt Pacenti when he started pushing the mountain bike tires for the 650B rims. And, uh, he didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to, eventually he didn't want to be categorized with 29ers, so he flip-flopped and went to 650B. But originally, when he pushed this, he was calling it 27.5, and that that was his idea. So it kind of stuck, and a lot of people call it 27.5 ever since. So it's, but so both are used interchangeably. It's 650b 27.5 means the same thing. It's a mi- kind of a middle-sized wheel for mountain biking. This is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. So with with Kirk, it seems like he he can he, uh, cast a little bit. It seems he's so. I saw something like he sold back his tires back to uh who was doing was a pan maybe
1: pan Racer, yeah,
0: yeah, so he was the man, yeah. I guess that kind of was there to begin with, so he, yeah, good for him, yeah, it was uh um, it was uh, yeah, it was basically his uh his baby to start with in two thousand and seven uh and uh he pushed it for several years, he made rims for it, and he made a few different. Uh, tire miles available for it, like you said, made by Paneracer. And now that it's taking off with the industry, he, like you said, he cashed it all back into Paneracer, and and so yeah, he came out of it okay. But I don't know how much money he spent trying to push it early on. So <laughs> maybe it's a wash, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it seems like he's got a plenty of other things going on though. So he, oh yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah um, he's a smart guy. Yeah. So with with that, um, I kind of wanted to. Uh, switch gears again on you um, and catch up sure. a little bit. Uh, Trans Iowa. I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you. You got. Uh, you know, you you had written about it a few different times. You have it up, uh, kind of all over, and there's been a lot of questions and stuff. What's going on for 2000 or, or version 10? Yeah, version 10 is coming up next year. So 10 years of this crazy race that Jeff Kirchhoff and I cooked up which I can't believe it's 10 years already. Um, So, yeah, a a lot of people over the years have said, well, are you guys ever going to do Trans-Iowa the way it originally was conceived, which was from the west side of the state to the east side of the state of Iowa? And we changed that in year three because it was just so hard for us to do it. Uh, And then you have racers who end up 300 miles away from their car, unless they've got another person to ferry it for them. So just logistically, it was a nightmare, you know, for, a, for an event that we weren't going to charge any money for. So we went to a loop format, which that was an idea we got from Dirty Kansas. So it just made everything way easier. So ever since, the third one, it's been a loop. But as a, I've always had questions over the years. When are you going to do cross? I'll come back and do it if you do it across state, thing, you know. So I thought, well, I don't really want to do that. But then I got an idea talking to some people, several different people kind of, we're involved in this, but essentially it boils down to uh, I'm setting up a basic route uh, or a route across Isle using some of the old routes that we came up with in the early days, and it'll go from the west to the east. And people can um, ride this route. That I'll publish the, all the cues for it and everything will be online. And uh, all they need to do to be part of uh, I'm calling it the Trans Isle Masters Program. <laughs> because uh, it's kind of like uh, you have to do your research and then you actually have to do the work and then you, at the end of it all, you have to write a report with pictures and send it in to me. And then if you do all those things, then you be part of this uh, Trans-Io's master's program and I'm going to come up with a with a little certificate that I'll send everybody that looks like a master's certificate, you know. And uh, you can put that on your wall or throw it in the trash can, I don't know. <laughs> So, yeah, I think after all that work, the least you could do is hang on to it and put it somewhere. Yeah. So uh, it, it's going to be f- for a period of about three months in the summer next year where you'll be able to do this. And I got all the rules and things written up on the Trans Iowa website. There's a special page for the Trans Iowa Master's program. And there's a lot of people really excited about it. Uh, I got a lot of great feedback about that. And um, I actually kind of stole some of the idea from guys in. Uh, Canada, that uh, they actually came and did the second Trans island and they got inspired to do this thing called Operation Muerto, where you have to ride across the uh, province of Manitoba all in one shot. And they're I'm, basically I'm using all their ideas for this masters program thing, I'm just tweaking them model a little bit for tell, my purpose. You weren't supposed to tell people that. What's that? You weren't supposed to tell people that. You were just supposed to let them <laughs> let them think. Uh, well, it all kind of is a big circle because I, I heard back from those guys at Operation Muerto, and they said, well, thanks for, you know, telling everybody that, you, that we're your inspiration, but actually you're our inspiration, so it's just a big circle of crazy people yeah. that yeah. are That's coming cool. up with anybody. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, yeah, so we, uh, you uh, know, speaking, of, speaking of speaking gravel, we have uh, Trenton on hold here. So
1: okay, let's, great.
0: Uh, let's get him on, talk for, you know, talk for a little bit, see what's going on there, and... Uh, Kind of go from there. So yeah. All right. Hang on a second. Trent, you there? I'm here. Hey, thanks for joining Hello? Thanks for joining the show. Yep, you there? Yeah. Thanks for having okay, me, guys. Cool. Yeah, no hey, problem. Uh, we, uh, I did a little uh, intro, I guess, earlier just to say that you'd be on the show, um, but we were having a little bit of technical difficulties with Skype. Um Oh, I don't no, sure. know if anybody heard, but I'll let you do a a little introduction after I just say that uh, Trenton is, I, you're the race director for the Filthy 50, correct? Correct. correct. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, we got a little bit of time here. Let's uh, have you just kind of give a quick intro of what the Filthy 50 is, how it got started, um, you know, what it's all about. Yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, the Filthy 50 is... Uh, something that's so new it hasn't happened yet. Uh, That's how new it is. Uh, It's our inaugural year this year. Uh, The race goes off. The ride goes off October 13th, which is a Sunday. Um, It leaves. It starts and ends uh, in Stewartville, Minnesota, the town that I grew up in, in southeastern Minnesota. Um, The majority of the ride is is gravel. I'd say about 96% of the ride is gravel. Um, It's a 50-mile ride, and it's free. Um, I guess those are the, the nuts and bolts. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So what, that why did you you decide to, uh, get that going? Well, um, a few years back, I, I started, uh, uh, riding gravel with my father, who still lives in Stewartville. Actually, I'm living in the twin cities. I'm actually calling in from Minneapolis here where I've lived for over a decade, but, uh, yeah, I've I've been visiting my father and my, my mother who lived down there and, and uh about two years ago my, my father decided to get back on the bike. He'd ridden a lot, kinda raced back in the eighties and, and uh realized after a visit to the doctor he had to get fit again. So I'd I'd stop down and we started riding some of the old gravel roads that I used to I used to try to avoid when I was a kid actually. I'd I'd wipe out of my BMX bike and get, you know, Lime rock in my leg, and my mom I have to pick it out. And the gravel was no fun growing up, but uh, it's kind of funny thinking, thinking about that and then going back and, and riding it on purpose. <laughs> um, but that's what I've been doing, and there's some beautiful roads down there for anyone who's ever ridden the uh, the notorious Almanzo 100 or any of those related races that Christopher Skogan puts on. Hello? Yep, yeah, yeah. we're here. you still there yep we're hey, there, sorry, still there, sorry okay. yeah I yep. lost you there um yeah, so uh for anyone who's ridden those rides, uh the Filthy 50 country is right there, right uh right, cuddling up next to uh Monzo country, so you kind of get an idea of of the uh the beauty and the gravel um the roads uh, we actually uh have about two to three miles of of um uh, a segment on the on the route that does overlap with some some of the old almamanango routes so so anyway uh that's uh, uh i guess a little bit about the the route itself um but anyway, yeah, I've been riding down there with my father and and uh this beautiful roads decided that you know there's something about them that I really wanted to share, and this last year after doing doing the almanzo, um I kind of thought about something that that uh Chris Stogan had said, you know just go out and just go out and do it, you know, set up a race, do it, you can do it, and it kind of brought me back to i guess being in being in punk bands when I was a kid I, I'd set up basement shows, we'd play rock shows in basements and and some sometimes those were the funnest shows, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. uh. <laughs> decided to, to make a race and, and do it. And it's gone yeah. off pretty well for something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. Right. I, I see uh, you. got uh, some sponsors. It looks like Head, Penn Cycles, Banjo Brothers, Rochester Cycling. Um, and what do you have? Yeah, a few more, that? too. I think the – who are the other ones? Um, we've got uh, Bicycle Sports out of Rochester. And uh, actually Adam Turman, who's an artist here, in the Twin yep. Cities, he does a lot of okay. bicycle-related art. That's really, really awesome. Hey, Trent, did he yeah. do your logo?
1: I uh, know my friend Matt.
0: Zach did that actually, an old old friend that was that was actually in a couple bands with me. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I got a hold of him, and he he worked for the Walker Art Center and and a couple other, uh, I guess, well, MCAT if you're familiar with the college art and design up here. But um, he worked for them and has done a lot of identity work and. Offered to do it. And he actually made our logo out of gravel, which I thought was pretty awesome. So that's a really cool logo. I like Thanks, it, Ben. Yeah. Thank you. So, so your event, uh, you're wondering. If, it's got like. If, go ahead, Ben. Sorry, I was going to say if you're if you're wondering where to see the logo, people can go to thefilthy50.tumblr.com. Correct. So go ahead, Mark. Yep. 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 Yeah, hey, Trent, I noticed that you got like what is it, 250 in, in, on the roster already. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of blew my mind, actually, yeah. Um,
1: So, yeah, the way it
0: started out, yeah, it was kind of weird. And the Tumblr thing I put together originally without a logo and without really anything, no sponsors thinking, you know, I'm going to announce this this ride in October and I'm going to have some friends come and do it. And, you know, I'll have 30, 40 people and we'll barbecue my parents' backyard and it'll be awesome. And and, uh, I opened it up and I... I did do a couple of friends, and then all of a sudden it kind of started taking off. And I think after it started taking off, Ted, I emailed you about putting it on your, your uh, uh, calendar, and a few more things happened, and pretty soon we are at like 200 riders within about <laughs> a week. It was pretty nuts. Um, yeah, I had to cap it because I didn't, I mean, again, this is my first year doing it, and I wanted to make sure that we gave every rider who has signed up a, a great experience. Um, yeah. So capped it off at 250. We've got a waiting list with about another hundred on it right now. Wow. So um, yeah, trying to figure out what to do with that right now. But I think uh, we'll probably end up opening it up here in the next couple days. Um, probably ending our reg- or I guess shortening up our registration window um, mm-hmm. and uh, just letting everybody else in and kind of expecting a, a small. I don't know, maybe twenty five, twenty percent attrition. Um mm-hmm. folks said, you know, they don't have to pay anything to show up, so um I'm kind of expecting people won't. But uh yeah, letting letting the door open and, and seeing the show is it, it ought to be fun. Yeah, sounds like it. That's amazing that you got that many people interested in it so quickly. And yeah, I started uh, wondering about that and thinking about that a lot. And uh I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly why that is. But it might have to do with the distance. Maybe it has mm-hmm. to do with the time of year. I'm not. I'm not quite sure.
1: Yeah, ben and I were
0: talking about uh, how it seems like the springtime, maybe into a little bit of the early summer, is seems to be really heavy on the gravel calendar as far as the events and races go. And then it kind of starts true. to trickle off during the summer. And then in fall, we we've seen a little uptick of things. And uh, so uh, we're not really sure why that is either, but we've we've noticed that uh, there's there's more events coming on in the fall now,
1: so yeah, I don't it seems know,
0: like it. I don't know why that would be, but so tell us a little bit about your your route and how people are going to get around on it. You got well, a plan for that, obviously. So. Yep, yep. So we are kind of following a, a formula that a lot of um, a lot of these races and rides do uh, with two sheets. We're going to be um, making a cue sheet available to everyone on the roster um, here in a few weeks. So folks will have the ability to go and print out their own. We're actually going to print them out for you. Um, that's one thing about about uh, the selfie 50. When I started it, not, not expecting it to get to the size that I got already, but uh, I wanted to make it like, really low overhead, really easy for everybody involved. So easy to sign up, you know, easy for me, easy for people to, you know, um, drop out if they needed to or get the resources they needed to. So we do rely on technology a bit. Um, But, uh, yeah, folks are kind of responsible for printing their own cue sheets, Um, kind of, you know, like they're responsible for bringing everything they're going to need on race day. So yeah. uh as far as getting around, um there's gonna be a group start and everybody'll have two sheets, folks will have bib numbers and away they go. They'll have but six hours to uh to finish, um officially. There's gonna be a, a cut off after six hours. Okay. And that's that's kinda it. Um again nice. folks they're kinda of responsible for themselves out there, so that's neat. So um, as far as um, the kind of roads that you guys have now, we were talking a little bit about tires, Ben and I, before you came on. And, and I, I I was saying how, you know, your area has a different sort of gravel than where I'm at here in Iowa versus yeah. where Ben's at in Colorado versus, you know, Dirty Kansas and Kansas. So can you tell us people a little bit about what the roads are like and maybe give them kind of a – advice on a uh, tire that it might be a good tire for him to use, or if you have any, this is any <laughs> choices there. <laughs> this is always super fun to talk about, actually. I love it. Um, friends and, and I well, like, who ride like, these ton, roads talk about of, this all the time. Yeah, there's always a ton of questions, like, everywhere about tires. So it's I exactly. and everybody has question. an opinion, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. Everybody yeah. will tell you the best tire to ride gravel, and... and I don't know, I'm I'm no veteran, but in my experience, there's no, like, best tire for all gravel, and that's because of what you just said, Ted. There's all kinds of different gravel, even on the same route, like on the filthy route, there's going to be, and, and the consistency of the chunks of gravel we're talking about,
1: mm-hmm. are gonna, it's
0: going to be pretty, pretty solid. You're going to have um, marble to a little larger than marble size, large marble size gravel chunks, like for the most of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have some fast gravel that's packed down. Uh, You're going to have, even at that point in the year, you're going to have a little bit of fresh gravel out there that was just just dropped, and it's going to be thick, and folks are going to hit it and slow down and kind of, you know, get in the soup and work their way through it. So, uh, you know, trying to think of a good tire like kind of an all-arounder. I guess personally I like something about, I don't know, maybe like a 35 millimeter. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Something that's maybe a little slicker down the middle, uh, maybe kind of a nail file-type tread, and then on the outside, something a little knobbier. Okay. Uh, I also, right now, I've got a set of uh, kind of small block eights that I ride that are great Mm -hmm. on on that same gravel. So, um, yeah, it kind of all depends. One thing that... I hear about people talking about tires all the time, but one thing that I don't hear about people talking about quite as much is the tire pressure. Oh, yeah. I think tire pressure is key. Yes, it is. you're You're out there descending on, you know, a road you've never ridden before. It could have some surprises. It could be some loose gravel, and you want to feel comfortable on the descent. You know, you don't want to probably not have, max PSI in those tires. Right, um, right, yeah. <laughs> so th- that's one piece of advice I try to give the folks when when they're uh, getting ready to go out to ride gravel is check your PSI. Yeah, That's, that's a great bit a little of advice. advice yeah, yeah that, right that, a little That's talk. a great bit of advice. In fact, sometimes I uh, find that it's best to even look at the, what the minimum pressure is on a tire and maybe run that or a little less if you can yeah, get away with yeah. it. It's heavier, you get away with some it. Some of these tires are really... I mean, you're just, you, you look at the sidewall. It says 50 to 80 psi. Well, I I almost never run 50 psi <laughs> exactly. in any of my tires. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, you got to consider a lot. You know, consider the terrain. Consider the your the rider weight too is is a big thing. Oh do. yeah. So um, absolutely. Yeah, the type of gravel. Like yeah, the gravel down in southeastern that the folks on the filthy are gonna ride is way different than the gravel that the folks up. Uh, uh, heck of the North are going to ride here in the end of September. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. very different. Probably run a di- different PSI for for both races if you want to get down to it. And, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, a a you lot of times I tell I, people it's like cross country skiing. You know, what wax do you put on your skis? And then you get into the same kind of discussions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of <laughs> and you know what gets lost? I think it's a it's a really good point because what gets lost is oh, I, I got to get this bike. I got to get this bike material. I got to get all this stuff. And it's like thousands of dollars when really, you could really, unless it's like a tank, right? Unless you're like pulling right. somebody in a cart. Um, <laughs> but you just spend the money on tires, dial your air pressure, and you're yeah. good on pretty much, you know, that.
1: That's and right. It's like, skis.
0: it's like skis because if somebody has. You know, a $100 pair of skis that are the right, you know, flex for classic or even uh, uh, skate, you know, the right flex, the right wax, you can have a sk- $100 pair of skis that outperforms, like, fancy-schmancy stuff. It's just, oh, oh yeah, people really? overlook yeah. And that. And so, that brings up a great point, Ben, and I'm sure, Trenton, you'll, you're going to see this when you have your event in October, but... People are going to show up on a wide variety of bikes, and yeah. you know you can bring a twenty-nine inch mountain bike hardtail. You can bring a 20, old 26-er. So they'll probably some people show up on a fixed gear messenger bike. I mean, I've yeah. seen all those kinds of things <laughs> ridden on your gravel. So it's There's it's like a true fat bike guys that are excited about doing it on their fatties too. So Absolutely, that's yeah. going to happen.
1: And who knows? Yeah. We can have
0: snow It's Minnesota, so they'd be happy. It's <laughs> <after. laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. But, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things about gravel events. And I, I get the kind of feel from your website, Trenton, that it's kind of an all-inclusive event. I, I like kind of like what you said, come and race it or just come and ride it. Uh, yeah. Which I thought it was a neat a neat little tagline on your website. So, And I see yeah. that so much in, in gravel events where, you know, somebody will show up on an old beater bike and the guy next to him with the carbon fiber whiz-bang go-fast thing, is, and they're all getting along <laughs> great, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we've looked at a few of the names on the roster, and, and we're going to have some folks out there stomping this course. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch them. But there are a lot of folks out there, too. I mean, we've got a gentleman on the the roster that was uh, born in 1947. Um, wow. And that's, that's impressive. That's awesome. We also have some, some young teenagers out there getting after it, which is really inspiring and cool. So, um you know that's that's kind of it is like an all-inclusive thing. You know, yeah. whatever whatever your game is, you can come out and do it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be beautiful too in, in yeah. October. I mean, the second weekend October is going to be like the leaves are going to be changing. It's going to be gorgeous. So yeah. yeah, I'm excited for for anyone who's going to be out there with us riding. Oh yeah, it's going to be a good time for you guys. Absolutely, yeah. for sure. And, and again, I just want to plug that uh the website is the filthy fifty the number fifty dot dot com if you want to find out more information. Um yeah. Trent, I think you've I think you've kind of shifted my thinking because I so I'm working with the shop here, um, they're all over getting another event going here in the fall because I do a anti-epic i kind of put together in the spring it's a hundred and yeah well, it's 162 miler out here in in april and we have like hundreds of miles hundreds of miles of gravel uh southeast of denver like i i mean we could do like a 300 mile route on like different roads from here to kansas uh um, really yeah. but I, you know i kept i kept thinking like you know i it's kind of narrowed it down to october you know um just because there's Still stuff, mountain bike stuff going on in September and October. You know, it's really nice still around here. Um, and I had my head set on 100 miles. But now that I think about it and more that I talk about it, you know, as I hear you talk about it and having that mix of people that can just come out and kind of do it, even if they haven't been training for, like, a really long race, I think you've uh, changed my thinking on that. You know, I might think – I, I've, I came across that, that thought, that feeling after kind of announcing this thing. W- when watching the roster fill up and looking at some of the birthdays on the, the roster, I was like, man, this is really kind of a, a huge spread of people. And, you know, then thinking about, like, the distance versus a lot of the, the 100-mile gravel rides. Like, if you want to go out and ride gravel or free gravel in Minnesota, um, you're signing up for probably a 100-mile event, most of them are. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty, pretty daunting to most folks, especially in the spring, like you were saying, Ted. You know, we're pretty heavy on our, our uh, events in the spring. Um, and if you had, haven't had time to cha- uh, train or ride over the winter, if you're not a, a you know, 365-day rider, um, it might be a little little freaky for you. So if you, uh, you know, think about it and someone's riding through the summer and into the fall and, and they think, you know, hey, man, I can do 50 on gravel. It's October, right? I can do fifty. Um yeah. yeah. I think that's where we're finding a lot of folks. I think we're finding a lot of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I know Trans Isle I get always. Hello, I'm Hello? You, Mark. You there? I am losing it, yeah. bit. Yeah, it's connections coming. Yep, you're there. Yeah, we're losing you a bit. Okay. I was just going to say uh, Trans-Iowa is one of those events where people find it very hard to train for it because it happens, you know, last weekend in April, and, and it's 300-some-odd miles, so you got to start training in November at the latest. Yep. So it's like, yeah. you know, you either ride in on a trainer indoors for eight hours at a crack, or you're outside, and it's really hard to get it done in the, in the northern latitude. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I can see where your event would be. You know, people have been riding probably most of the summer, and they feel fairly confident in their fitness and and uh, yeah. want to give it a give it a go. So I think that's great that you offer that for for those yeah. people. There've been some folks too that, that do the centuries, and and they look at it like, hey man, this is going to be like a party ride. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go out mm-hmm. and, and blast fifty, and it's going to be a great time and and a oh, little yeah. less suffering maybe, and and that's that's fine too, you know. So oh yeah, yeah, one yeah. quotient. <laughs> The other aspect, too, is it's not an all-day thing, right? I think uh, I've seen a trend, especially this summer, with, you know, like the NUE series, the 100-milers, like, they started off pretty strong, and then all these events came, and now people figured out, like, oh, man, it takes a lot of training to do good. And then I have to race all day, so all day Saturday, my spouse and kids are waiting for me. Then I'm a pile of trash for the rest of the weekend, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So like, they don't get to hang out with their friends because they're too tired. And then they spent the whole weekend, and it's gone. And they didn't really get, you know, they got the race out of it. But for the mass of people, you know, like you said, that guy that's, you know, what sixty-five years old, like he can't just go out and do that. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. More like the like young yeah. person like you've been that's got a family like you just said, you know, your kids are at home and you yeah. come home all wasted and <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you've anyway, been unless you've, well, been. Unless, you, unless you've trained your unless you've trained your family to accept that as normal then that's a different story, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, well, I'm here, yeah. you know, I'm here hosting Mountain Bike Radio, so if that tells you anything.
1: Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But, yeah. <laughs> they got to get behind so cool. that. That's good. Yeah. So, thank you. Uh, you know, I think you've – now I'm all motivated to get this thing rolling. huh? But, anyhow, um, yeah, I like that 50. That's a, that's a good idea. And, you know, kind of talking to you, getting the vibe of what it's all about. I, I really like that. Hmm. And it yeah. wasn't, like, an intentional thing, mind you. It wasn't like, I'm yeah. going to do 50 to, yeah. like, get this crowd or something. It was – just like yeah. this is going to be a fun fifty miles. The route was in in my mind. It was beautiful. It was done perfect, and then it turned into this. Why? Why are so many people signing up for this? This is this is really <laughs> interesting. Right, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks right. for sharing cool. that with us, friend. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This is fun. You yeah. No problem. And I was going to mention too. You we had exchanged a couple of emails, and you had just gotten back from like a big trip. Um, oh yeah, yeah, And I we're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll shoot you an email. We'll get you on. Uh, we'll record something up for uh, to discuss that trip. How's that sound? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I flew over to to Scotland and and rode 500 miles in five days across wow. Scotland and Ireland. It was a good time. And
1: yeah, that's so awesome.
0: I, I, and just from talking to you, I think you'd have you wouldn't have a hard time filling uh, some time telling stories. Some yeah, some people kind of enjoy that about too. me. Some people don't. Oh no, it's fantastic! I mean, we wouldn't be here talking if we didn't like talking, right? So great, great, yeah, cool. Well, I can tell, yeah, I can cool. tell some so stories. We'll, so yeah, cool. So we'll be in touch. Um, and again, people, if you want to find out more information, I will link. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes on mountainbikeradio.com dot com, but it's awesome. thefilthy50.tumblr.com dot com.
1: So yeah, right All on cool. and,
0: and if anybody's interested, please sign up like now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we'll probably we'll probably close up registration here in the first couple of days of September. So All that's right. great. cool. All, All right. right. Thanks, Thank you friend. very much, Trent. We'll we'll Thanks talk a to you. guys. Alright, yep. take care. Yep. Bye. Yeah, so Mark, Margaret uh interesting. Yeah. That's a really I get, fascinating uh Dynamic he has got going on there with the yeah, fifty guess, and all the know, people uh, interested. Yeah, and in, huh, <laughs> I I'm just I, you know I have my head so deep in like racing this endurance stuff and like you know always focused like I'm training for you know I just I'm resting up now but I'm doing Vapor Trail next weekend which is you know wow
1: 125
0: yeah. miles across high country at night kind of thing. And yeah. I guess I have my head so stuck in, like, the 100 and longer stuff that I kind of lost track. And just talking to him, it's like it really is something that any average dude, even if they stop r- riding for a month, they can just come out and be like, ah, I can handle it, I'll just come out and ride and sure. see how it goes. So, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, events like Trenton's Filthy 50, well, you know, if there was more things like that, you'd probably see gravel. Uh, writing expand even more because you know, you get these people out there that kind of become evangelists and you know they'll say, oh, hi, it was 50 miles, it was gorgeous, it wasn't that hard, and it didn't take that long, and and uh, you know it's a quick little hit of gravel for people just kind of getting their foot into it. So uh, I think he's really kind of hit on something there that uh, could be a, a fun thing for other people to put events on similar to that. So I, I give him. Yeah. Them- I tip my hat to him, That's a great, great idea. Absolutely. Well, then I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to announce it here then that it's going to be either, <laughs> October 5th, either October 5th or October 12th, uh, likely out of Monument, Colorado, which is just between, just north of Colorado Springs. Um, okay. They're, and I'm in talks with uh, Pikes Peak Brewing. They're on board with, like, having, having an event there. Um, there's going to be some sort of ride likely going to be around the 50 mile mark you know I have my headset somewhere to 50 to 100 but the 50 you know I've been talking to somebody else that kind of rides down there and it sounds like 50 is going to be the way to go based on his route anyway and that's I nice. think that's really going to appeal to a lot of people and part of the yeah. part of the route will be on the anti-epic course um, but it'll be right on the front range so part of it will kind of wind right near the mountains Um and, yeah, so it's going to be one of those dates. You know, I have a shop, uh, Pedal of Littleton uh, is on board. Uh, sounds like salsa has a, a frame or something they want to throw in, so they're backing that. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so stay tuned to gravel grinder news, the Gravel Grinder News calendar because there might be a ride up on there. Sounds great, hey, man. Sounds like a fun time. But, uh, yeah, so anyhow, that's, awesome. that's the scoop. I figured now it's time to say something. Which I might yeah. have to have somebody else involved this year with a little bit of organizing since our daughter might be arriving around then. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So. Well, cool. Yeah. We've been going an hour. Um, let's save some more uh, topics for, let's see. If we go in a couple of weeks, when are you uh, heading out to Interbike? Uh, interbike this year. I'll be leaving. I think it's just. Weekend of the 15th, I think that's what it is, 15th yeah. or 16th. Okay. Yeah. So I'm heading I'll be gone that week, and uh, then we'll be back that weekend. So we could maybe cool. do something right after Interbike if you want. Well, I was thinking maybe we do a quick, and listeners, just stay tuned to uh, Facebook page. That's where you see updates and stuff. And um, But maybe we do something quick in a couple of weeks, like two weeks yeah. from now, just a quick check-in, you know, go over maybe Eurobike, any other big, topics of Eurobike and then maybe check in, uh, interbike. Not sure. Not sure if I'll be there or not. We'll see. Um, planning on it. Uh, you know, maybe we can, we'll figure something out, but, uh, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. And thanks for joining in. I, you know, thanks for your time tonight. It was, I think it was a really good discussion because there's a lot of stuff going on and it was good to have Trenton on talk about the filthy 50 now that he's got many people. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So. Maybe. Yep. Maybe. Well, so thank you. Well, thanks a lot, man. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, and we'll uh, we'll check in soon. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. See you. All right. Cool. And uh, that'll do it for another episode of the Tarte uh, Show. Sorry, uh, it might have been a little broken up there at some points because we just had a huge list of stuff to talk about. Then we had a little technical difficulties right at the beginning. So I appreciate your patience, but uh, be sure to check out mountainbikeradio. dot com. Uh, got a ton of cool stuff coming. Um, uh, app was released. Um, you can get that on the Amazon uh, App Store. Uh, it's a dollar ninety nine. The iPhone one, I keep telling people it's coming, um, but uh, I don't know when. It could be tomorrow. It could be five days from now. So just stay tuned on that. Uh, that'll also be dollar ninety nine. I'm working in the background and getting a whole uh, new premium kind of uh, content uh, system, I guess you could say, uh, set up and going, and that'll give me the ability to get the app in the Google Play Store as well. So um, working on all that stuff, and if you're into, if you're looking at ways to do advertising or anything like that, uh, this uh, the app uh, is gonna. I think once we get this worked out, it's going to provide a pretty unique and pretty awesome uh, uh, platform for that. So, um, you know, think each episode I can give you special video and uh, do a background. So your company logo or anything, you know, like a, I did an interview with Danielle Musto this morning, uh, on the app page is the salsa background. So, you know, the show is sponsored by whoever and we can get your logo on the background. Uh pretty simple, pretty unique, not a lot of stuff out there, not a lot of content out there that provides the you know, discussions with uh guitar Ted, race promoters like Trenton for the fifty fifty, uh Todd Sadow, which is a recent one we uh Drew did with uh talking about the Grand Junction off road, also Perry Jewett in that same show talking about the Dakota 5-0. O. Two big races this weekend, ton of stuff. Um but just keep that in mind totally unique we have a ton of shows and it's a lot of fun so i really appreciate you listening in uh sorry about the sound with the microphone i'm using the the thing i i can't control skype sometimes but uh that's it so i appreciate you listening in, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the guitar ted show on mountain bike radio